Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beale, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the Editorial and Marketing Director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon and Cleveland, Ohio. We have over 700 books, over 25 employees, and we make about 40 new books every year. And we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes. Or maybe you just want to understand the publishing industry. This week, we are going to answer a reader question. Thanks, reader. Which is, what references do you, meaning Ellie, not me, Ellie, use as an editor? Mm, well, I will answer this question, but I would also like to know what references you use as an editor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't actually believe I even own any editorial reference books, I know. No, the question was which, not I, if. I have the illustrated version of Strunk and White somewhere. But... That's my copy. <laughs> Oops, we, we, we own it. Oh, oh, oh I see. Uh, Joe owns it, copy. and I borrow it wants to look at. The paintings are really nice. Anyway, that's not really a reference. That's more of a sort of manifesto. I found it in a free box. It's not like a deeply held item. (laughs) Um, So I don't own any like style manuals or anything like that. Um, I do often make use of reference materials on the internet. Uh, The most notable being Google. If I want to know like like if I'm not totally sure what a word means or like which is the correct part of speech I'll often google it um or if I or like you know do you italicize like a ship's name or something random like that I don't keep all of that in my long-term memory I know google is a great friend for that um and then there are some sites that I go to urbandictionary.com I often use um seems professional I know well I mean when something is like slang or seems like it might be slang I usually look there first to see if I'm like, is this correct? Right. Is this like the wrong word or is this like actually saying something that I should know about? Um, right. Okay. Sometimes I'll ask a younger coworker also. Yeah. And this is the problem of being in your say middle age. <laughs> I know. And I do, I do actually, I have started trying to keep up with some like Gen Z media to mm. try to like kind of stay a little bit attuned because, you know, that's professionally important. I subscribe to this Gen Z fashion newsletter. Whoa. I forget the name. I just subscribed to it. It's really helpful. I'll try Mm. to put that in the show notes. But more to the point, reference... um, Yeah, I guess the main references that I use that are, like, books are our other books that we've published. Yeah, that's how I would think about it, too, honestly. Yeah, what do you use? Not even other books that we've published, but, like... And I feel like this is what actually goes on and no one will admit, so I'm just going to go admit it on the record here for everybody's sake. Every editor and every writer references the writers that they like that feel natural to them. Mm-hmm. And they will have hard and fast arguments for why they do things the way they do, but that's the actual reason why they do things the way they do. Is like they read it somewhere that felt good to them they copied it and then created an academic intellectual argument around why they do it that way. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like, if you, and, you know, honestly, 
I feel like the actual rule should be the book should read like the book. It yeah. shouldn't be held to a standard of somebody else or, you know, anything but itself. It should be the author's other works, maybe, but even then. Not every author is uh, creating work that is the same as their previous work. Most editorial reference books are focused mostly on copy editing and proofreading, and that's my weakest area, and the area I honestly care least about, and the area that Microcosm cares least about, which are all connected. Um, I didn't, I did not bring that element to Microcosm, I actually learned that element at Microcosm. Burn. Uh, no, no, I, I do honestly think that that fits well with our publishing program to have a somewhat unpolished, finished product that is relatable to our readers and like makes you realize that you could you also are an expert in your own field and could write yourself right i mean and that's how i i mean as a person who has no expertise or um education or background or like really you know but has a lot of opinions you know like the way i always approached it was like okay well this is how it would read in a way that was relatable to somebody else like myself because I'm not writing for myself, but I'm writing for people that feel similarly neglected in the kind of things that, like, the tone that works for them isn't in the world, or oftentimes the subject matter that works for them isn't out there, or, you know, the, like, perspective on that subject matter with that tone is definitely not out there. And, you know, and this is, uh, it's interesting because this is actually why our best-selling author, Dr. Faith Harper, shout out, she does watch and comment on many of these episodes, if only to throw a funny joke back at us. Hi, Faith. Found us because she said that we were the only publisher that took in a person's lived experience as their expertise to write a book, aside from their sort of professional credentials. like the, Right. And I never even would have thought of it that way. I really would have thought of it like, well, your lived experience is your professional credentials, like right. above any other. But Like we wouldn't publish a book about addiction by someone who had not ever been addicted. Right, right, because what do they know? Despite them having PhD in addiction studies or whatever. Right, because that's just not helpful, you know, and it's, like, really not going to speak to somebody that is going through that. Yeah, and, like, so what matters, I think, in terms of editorial style, and we do have a style guide in-house, which we sometimes ignore, but, I mean, what matters most to us is that it's relatively consistent, like, across books, but more importantly, within the book. Like, if you're switching between Chicago and MLA citation styles, that's confusing. We don't actually care if you use either or use one that you make up yourself so long as it's like clear and used consistently. Um, you know, we want you to like capitalize identities, like we capitalize indigenous. Um, we want you to, um, you know, we have like some styles for like how we refer to like transgender individuals or autistic individuals. We have some styles for like how we really resist my capitalizing of the A, but I will fight on. We can capitalize the A. It's not too late. (laughs) You've you've down-capitalized it in every book, which is the correct terminology. Down-capitalized. Down-capitalized. Wow, I learned something new today. I mean, mean, this is maybe this is something we should add to our style guide, because I honestly down-capitalized it only because it was only capitalized, like, a very marginal number of times. In every book that you've edited. 
but you see this is so this is like I was trying to create a consistent style with the least effort. If you ever wanted to know why style guides are broken and bunk, mm. there you go. Because styles change. Yeah. Styles like somebody else's rules for style, I can guarantee you were created decades ago. Right. And decades ago people put two spaces after the period, which you know, I don't know, maybe like that's probably the closest thing to a prison-worthy offense that exists on our planet. Wow, that's a little harsh. Okay, maybe. It's I think not rehabilitation really that close. is probably more economically feasible. Some in those people cases. resist rehabilitation. They really will be like, "Well, that's the way I learned it, and that's the only way I'll ever do it." That's what find and replace is for. This mm. is like one of the easiest. Ellie, you problems. can't replace people. It's it's really, <laughs> really unethical. But did you know that in a Word or a Google Doc, the space is actually a hidden character, so you can in fact find and replace two spaces with one space. Well, there you go. Now you learned something. <laughs> Thanks for joining us once again. Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm. On Facebook at microcosm publishing. On Instagram at microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.